you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Ooh, nice tie-dye shirt. Exactly. You got the tie-dye going. There's a lot of tie-dye when I wear it. It's not really about concealment. It's not quite camo. Someone just commented online about, hey, girls, uh, ladies, when you wear pink camo, Exactly. What are you doing? Hiding among the flamingos, or what's the point? Of it? <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, whatever. Each their own, right? That are a word in the universe nowadays. So we really want to hear about this new Apple Watch, but I've got an exciting, fun update for myself. <laughs> so I still got my same background. I'm still in the corner in the hallway at the moment. Okay. You're and I told working on the home office, and so yes. I was expecting to see new things. I didn't change my Doctor Who yet, so I guess we're still... Uh, yeah, we're, <laughs> okay. It's a busy summer. So I do have the office. I've been working on getting that cleared out. I got a nice new air conditioner in there so I don't die. Right. I was going to put up a sign that says Skynet South. I was at Micro Center last night helping my cousin find a laptop for his grandson for biomed. He's going in the third grade. And they give these laptop requirements. And I'm like, why do these third graders need a $600 laptop? <laughs> Whatever. Especially when there's been several efforts to get like a $100 laptop available. A long time ago, a guy named Nicholas Negroponte, who was known as like one of the first guys that said digital everything, he kept exhorting all different kinds of schools and big money people to say, this is a, a change of life type thing. If we can get these kinds of laptops, not only in schools, but everywhere in the world, the digital age will arrive. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. And yeah. and there have been a few of those. There was a Raspberry Pi based one and all sorts of stuff. But I know at Biomed, they run a lot of software that they've gotten licensed for, stuff that we wouldn't normally get CAD software, a lot of video software. Okay. Um, so they couldn't run it on the Raspberry. They couldn't run it on some of it they can do on a Chromebook, from my understanding, is right. it's horrible. The yeah. Chromebook is probably the closest to that, where it has a lot of capability for the buck, and still, it's not quite perfect yet for right. it's specific the, things. It's the OS more than anything, because the software is mainly written for Windows and mostly Mac. So okay. it is what it is. But I said, okay, I'm going to wander around. First of all, they don't have any Raspberry Pis. Not that I need another one. I like checking all the crap out. So I went into the computer section and I found a young man there and I said, okay, I need to build a new computer. I've been holding off. I said, I know it's going to cost me about 1600 bucks, but my last one was 12 and I'm hoping to keep it low. I'm not, I'm looking for a 2018 gaming computer because I don't want the newest stuff that's outrageously priced, but I want something powerful. So if it was a good gaming computer in 2018, that's about what I'm looking for. So we start showing get your frame rate up and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Exactly. Okay. I mean, I, this computer here is 11 years old and it's running Zoom. It runs the video. It does the podcast. Right. I run Word and all my development software. So I got game maker programs are. 
there's nothing I haven't been able to run on this 11-year-old computer. So I'm not worried about the newest, fastest thing. That's such a fallacy in today's world. The software has not kept up with the power at all. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he's showing me around and he shows me like, okay, we got, he was great. You really rare to find those guys that like a car salesman or a computer guy that listens to what you say and really seems to know what he's talking about and get you the right stuff. Instead of starting to read the script of, hey, I have to sell this many these this month because that's where my commission right. is going to come from. And he routes you into, okay. Yeah. Okay. And I, I know enough that I can evaluate what he's showing me. And he's mm-hmm. showing me, he says, okay, here's what you may be interested in. He says, this processor is about a generation old. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, but you buy this motherboard and he says, it's got everything you need, which, okay, let me hook up a video card, a processor, memory whatever. He's like, yeah. it's everything you need. But if you buy the two together, you get the processor for a penny. So it was literally half price if you bought the two together. Interesting. And I was okay. like, okay. And he goes, and we got this great sale on this memory. He says, you said 16 gigs. I said, yeah. He says, but if you get this memory and you get 32 gigs, you're getting it for $10 more than this 16 gig. Oh, 32 gigs of memory. That's perfect. So it's surprising because I've heard that there were supply constraints on all kinds of stuff. But I guess what you're doing is supply constraints are for the most current stuff. If you're asking them to go into like one or two generations older, they're in the bins and they're looking to move them to make room for the new stuff. Yes. Be in just a sweet spot. That's yeah, kind of, okay. exactly. But I looked several months ago and the shelves were almost empty. When I looked before, there was wow. only like on the shelf, like literally eight or nine video cards that they had in the store. And wow. now they had a ton of. So uh, my big requirements, I said, I want dual monitors. He says, well, actually, the motherboard will run dual monitors. I'm like, seriously. He's, you have a card dedicated to that or a splitter or something like that. That's right. Yeah. So I was like, really, I'm like, eh, I'll spend a little extra and get a better video card because I might play a game. And I know. With some of the graphics stuff, it uses the GPUs and it'll run better. I know that, or it mm-hmm. should. So anyway, long story short, I, I ended up looking at it. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to pull the plug and do it. And I got everything I need. Now, I don't need monitors. I don't need keyboard mouse. Uh, I got a camera. I got a mic. Right. So I basically priced it out, took the original price, which they had stickers on, and the price I was rung up on. I got a $1,600 computer for 1000 bucks. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. And that's because he was cool, because you're knowledgeable enough to know whether you're being BS'd or not. In fact, you're really in this interesting spot of there's always the latest and greatest. And everybody always talks about what, when did you buy your computer? Buy it now, because the utility you'll get out of it, instead of waiting for the next big deal, there is always another good deal coming along right. in six months or a year. But you don't. Anyway, It every time that I pulled the trigger, much as you have, I've been, I just have to not get that fear of the future i have to say i need it now it's the best you can now and then the clock starts ticking again as to how long will this guy last equitably with what everything else can do yeah and and so this system i'm gonna pare it down take software and stuff off and a lot of the external drives are going to the new one so it's gonna be but it's gonna become my dvr so i've gotta i'm gonna set it up and we'll be able to stream our movies and dvr or something like that there's good uh, open source things for that. It's I have done far too little of that. There was a time when each Mac Mini that came in, the older Mac Mini became, that's my email and web and whatever server. And I did that not only to have it, but just to be in the practice of 
how do you run things at a server level? How do you think about it when you're not just a user, but source to others and stuff like that? So if I'm going to set up, I don't know, and there's also ISPs have some restrictions on what you can do at your house. You can't really set up an FTP server if you're only a like a, a, a home account instead of a commercial account. At least right. you're not to. And then I'm worried about, well, <laughs> all I got to do is have one thing that's too popular. And all of a sudden, I got all this download traffic from my house instead of, anyway, it, it, right. I, I've been careful about that. Even though I try to stay current, I'm not right now running all the servers that I used to. I just let them fall off to the side. And I started using Amazon Web Services. And for off-site storage, I'm using that. And that I've tried to learn how to use ISP instead of being my own ISP. You know what I mean, I'm no longer having to run my own websites and stuff like that. Okay. It's like, that's a sweet spot for all you got. Fantastic. I figure that comes out the whatever over 10 years, like $14 a month or something like that, you know, would you buy it as components and you're still going to put it together or are they, because sometimes places will do it that you just point and point and point. And then they'll say, Hey, for $49, we'll rig for you or something yeah like i so, think it was like 100 150 bucks they'd put it together but it's not small okay yeah but i still enjoy doing that to keep a, my thumb yeah. on it a little bit but it really it's so simple to do nowadays it's a waste of money <laughs> everything plugs right. into one spot and right get, get See, i don't know i remember we always talk about hey let's go back in time but it really used to be you had to know how to solder you had to know how to put on the heat paste you had to be really careful about like things didn't have only a single orientation. You really had to check and check again to make sure that the pins were going to go in the correct way. Because if you bent the pin, you were just screwed. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I, the days of my doing that are also past. It's so, I'm so much about my productivity now. I don't tinker as much as I used to, and I miss it. You know what I mean? It used to put on your little, the strap for static discharge and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) I was pretty conscious about it i'll still do stuff like change a battery out add memory the things where they've designed it so that if you can pop open so for instance colleen's hard drive in her mac laptop just failed after six or seven years and it, of course it flaked, flaked out slightly so i was able to get a backup of everything before it totally failed but i'm from other world computing which is a great source for mac stuff i just bought like a terabyte ssd for something like 200 bucks and I'll put it in myself because, as you said, there's a couple connectors and you really can right. pop the back off the map. I have a little tool set of no matter what screwdriver or Torx or whatever else, the pry thing, you know, they do them so nicely now with how well sealed they are that you really can't open it without the special prying tool because that's how it keeps all the dust out. That's how it keeps a spill from destroying your computer because they've made it. At, but And I know I'm all over the place here, but it's, it's there's a logical progression. There was, there's been ebb and flow in terms of how much companies were hostile to letting you in. You know what oh, I yeah. mean? Wow, there was a big, if you do anything, you violate the warranty. And so after it was out of warranty anyway, after a year or two, and then you just go in and do things. But nowadays, it's if I get a new machine, but I can get memory for half the price, because that's a lot of times where the hardware dealers do it is kind of like anywhere, like a car, you, you buy a car and then it's the accessories that'll kill you. That's where right. they make your money. So I've done all kinds of upgrades to various different things over time where it's cool to have the special little tool set and know, okay, there, here's how they actually designed this very smartly to have inset 
screws that this then overlays and keeps the good seal. It won't, it won't strip out, yeah. yeah. The cool thing is with the case that the case just has a little latch and it flips open. So no, with the screws and opening it, he says, yeah, it just flips open. He's like, the bays are hot swappable. And I'm like, See how cool is that? Damn, yeah. Yes. yeah, very cool. So you mentioned that turning your machine on and waiting to see if it registered, if it really did with one plug and play, or if it, you know, right, yeah. listen for the tones. Exactly, exactly. So you mentioned cars real quick. There's a thing BMW is doing, which has a lot of people up in arms, but it's where things are going. For a BMW, they have multiple high-end accessories that you can get that a lot of cars don't have. For example, they have dynamic wiper blades that they will go faster or slower depending on how hard the rain is. They have lights in the front that as you turn on your blinker and start to turn left, they swivel so you can see the turn ahead of you instead of just staying straight. They have heated seats. A lot of people have heated seats. But those packages, when you buy it, they're four, five, eight hundred dollars, whatever, when you buy the car. So you buy all those things and your $20,000 car, $40,000 car becomes a $55,000 car for all the things added, like you said. Right. What BMW is doing now is you buy the car for $40,000. If you want the heated seats, you subscribe to a monthly thing to have heated seats. See, I'm just reading about this. Yes. The, like, the subscription model is very powerful for things that it's appropriate for. Right. I really have no problems with Adobe continuing to improve their software. And instead of having to decide every five years, is it improved enough that I want to buy it? I don't mind the little nick every year to make sure that I have their state-of-the-art, most features, best virus fighting, all of it. You know what I mean? So Microsoft, Adobe, there's any number of big providers do that. But then you get into... What's the difference between hardware and software, like we were just talking about? Yes. Really, my heated seat is going to improve or change so much that I subscribe to the service of heated seats instead of buying heated seats. That, that just pushes up against this. And when uh, you have a car that's 10, 12, 15 years old, because BMWs don't always get driven every day. They're more pleasure. They last longer. So if you have a 20-year-old BMW, you're like, I've just spent like $5,000 over 20 years to have heated seats, you know? And that's, uh, we can approach this in so many different ways. I, I do my investing. One of the things that you often read about the companies that are doing that transition is how important it is to have recurring revenue stream than instead of lumpy income and stuff like that, based on how many sales or market forces and stuff like that, anything that you can do to have a magazine subscription. We know for the next two years, we're going to have this income coming in because either we're going to get recurring renewals or it's designed because we know it's a recurring thing. That's how they declare their income. And a nice, smooth, upwards income curve is so much better than a jagged thing. It, it inspires your confidence, if you will. And so I'm into a hundred different companies and a lot of them make perfect sense. I really want my cloud security to always be state-of-the-art fighting the good fight and i'm willing to pay for making sure that they're staying there with recurring memory it's i'm going to buy a set of jarts and i'm going to have different aerodynamics maybe in the tips and then what's funny is they have a recurring revenue stream but it's that you're obligated to be the one that plugs the jart into the usb port to keep it that way so you're paying for something that you might not even have if you don't yourself do due diligence about making sure that you're set up to have it do it automatically or plug it into the right port. So there's chicanery going on there. And I'll tell you, BMW is a rarefied enough atmosphere that are out of our thousands of listeners, maybe three of them have BMWs. Everybody has an HP printer. 
HP just had big bad news about they many places that they also do the what's called the razor blade model. They'll sell you the razor for cheap, and the blades is where they make their money. Right. And it used to be that you could have an HP printer, and there still were third-party cartridges that would work within it. And then they started to do it that the cartridge that you might buy, it would come up with an error code, because now it's not just dust in a toner cartridge. It's got little chips that cooperate, coordinate between what's going on. Then it would say, hey, not official HP product. We won't let you use this cartridge. Yeah, you're not working. The latest thing is that it disabled their printer. That now that you've got printers that are either on the internet or via the via Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, etc., talking to the internet, when it sees a bad cartridge, it'll say you violated the HP user agreement that nobody ever reads because it's 16 pages long. But one of them says you won't use third-party cartridges, and they will actually your whole printer down from afar. And that's one step too far, right? That's yeah. evil. You have the ability to turn off something that I bought. Okay. I no, I was obligated, had this subscription, haha, service. It's maddening. Oh. And I hope HP gets a huge black eye and pulls back from this because if it was that there really was science and specificity that went into their cartridges, that if you use a third party cartridge, you might wreck your printer. We know that we're the only ones that can make a good cartridge. And here's why. And if they explained that to me and it was really true that certain parts only fit certain things, I could get it. That's BS. There's yes. so many, there's so few Be new moving parts to it. Because what, what would happen, <laughs> no, you know, we've talked about our corporate America. What would happen is they'd say, okay, now we've got everybody locked into our cartridges. We, they can't use anybody else's. So what can we do to make our cartridges cheaper? And maybe 10% of them will ruin printers and they won't work, but we don't care. And yeah, then exactly. That's the, the, the Pinto idea. You know, right. hey, we're going to get a certain amount of death, but it's okay. We right. And oh. unfortunately, that's the problem. And all these cloud services, I did not like the idea of the Xbox, PlayStation going to digital only with the cloud because they are in control of that. And I have had, me and my cousin have a game, Titanfall, that we love. We've played together. Even now, it's 10 years old or whatever. And I got a new system. He got a new system. And we were like, okay, let's play Titanfall. Oh, no, we can't any longer because they took it off the store. And, wait a second i paid for that doesn't well, matter it's off the store as long as you owe me that obligation yeah exactly yeah See, that's a little weird i hate i think did we talk about this last time or maybe i just talked with someone i i get a lot of things through steam and a lot of things through gog good old game Red oh, old yeah game, whatever and the same thing i'm happy to have a big repository for all the things that i might want to get to and yes if it's on the cloud i there's a possibility like with apple music and stuff like that where all of a sudden a piece of my music disappears because they're having a dispute over who really owns that song i i bought it on a cd i digitized it and yet now i can't listen to it even though it, it's mine right. and the, the, i think i mentioned what i thought i mentioned last time was i play civilization i play older versions because i find them to be a better combination of the parameters and how much work i want to put into it and how much resource management Civ three Civ 3, exactly. Yeah. I just noticed playing Civ 3 that now on certain squares where there's like a, a delta that the, a river joins the ocean, that now there's a little effect where instead of just being kind of like the standard blue line for a river going into the deeper blue of an outside body of water, there's foam there. Like that's where you're going to have a little bit of rapids or activity at an estuary or something like that. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I didn't see that before, and it's cool because it's an improvement, 
but it means that they can change things under my feet. I thought right. nobody was touching Civilization Three still. What you know what I mean? Whenever you see something that's just enough different, this I thought this was just a commodity. Now you're going to leave well, it down. now you change it to make it worse. Well, here's the question, better. though: Is it just because you have a newer, faster computer with better graphics? Because a lot of those older games, you could set levels of graphics. Maybe it def- when you reinstalled or whatever this latest time, it detected better graphics and went to the ultra high, so you get little effect. That is a, a great idea, and I actually checked for that, that I already had it maxed out in terms of anti-aliasing and texture mapping and whatever else it might be. And if I were playing a first-person shooter, that really does change the game. You really yeah. get cool fog-of-war effects and stuff like that. Civilization is just primitive enough. It's not blocky <laughs> like Minecraft or something like that, but it didn't have anything. The only moving parts, if you will, were watching your units move, not watching the trees blow on the right. belt or whatever. <laughs> uh, 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 anyway, it, and when something like that changes, in the back of my mind, I'm going, oh, God, what else did they change? Uh, right. And I'll find out that, oh, suddenly, cavalrymen are more potent. Right. We rebalanced all the forces because we exactly. thought we could. Yeah. And now I'm going to have, I don't mind relearning how to do it, but it, to me, one of the things is you got to notify your users, hey, this is version 3.1.1, and we made a few tweaks. When I play Diablo, for instance, they're very good about coming out with all the various different things about, hey, we added some new weapons and we changed some old weapons so that now this actually has more ethereal force or whatever else it might be. And I just don't, I, I guess some part of it is people are very accepting of things changing under their feet because Facebook has been doing it forever. There's any number of social media that they're continually updating and tweaking, and it's not even the same for all users. They kind of leak it out to sets of servers over the course of time. And it isn't even that it's a permanent upgrade. They do A-B testing so that they can see, are we going to get more hits, more user engagement if we do this or this? And then the winner stays and the other one goes away. So people who liked the other one are like, oh, what happened? I thought they had changed that. Now they changed it back or they changed it to another thing. So that's the whole way of saying, I guess we're all getting used to having that landscape shift. And yet it's kind of, I don't know, we're creatures of, we pay attention to our environment, and after a while, you tune out two-thirds of it because you'd go mad if you didn't. When you're right. driving along, you can't continually pay equal attention to everything. And so it, it's while you're driving along, and all of a sudden, like, a whole mall that used to be there was torn down. It's, <laughs> didn't that used to be a Projo, and now it's a Menchies or something? Where'd my like, trees go? <laughs> exactly. Why is there a house there? And yeah. sometimes it's for the good, that they really do new and improved, and there's things there that there used to be nothing at this exit, and now they've sprung up that little crop of category killer restaurants or whatever else it might be. But other times it's, I don't know, I have no problems with those things change. I get that. And yet there's certain situations where I don't want to have to put more mind share into relearning something that I thought <laughs> I already knew. So people talk about that whenever they change Photoshop, the palettes change. What's where changes. And I always liked, one of the cool things I liked about the Apple interface was they had not straight jackets, but pretty good standards about it's always file edit, or they had a, a good menu system and what went in various different menus. And nowadays we're at that thing of, okay, I'm going to uh, update my software. So where is it? Is it under file? Is it under help? Is it within dialog boxes for preferences? The fact that I have to go searching for it instead of them having standardized on the way you always update is to go under the help menu and say check for updates. I like when people do seem to 
put it where I would, where it's to be the most logical place. When they don't, it's and and now I don't want to remember. I don't try to remember where they put it. I always just say, then I'll have to search for this. I know that it won't be where I'm going to look for it the first place. <laughs> and that that little thing of yeah, and, and I have a thing called Mac Updater that actually does that for me. And we can. There's been over the course of time, various different places have their own auto updaters, and I really like that. That nowadays they keep right. themselves updated. They do a quick check and they say, "Hey, version 1.1 is available." And most of the time they'll notify. You can actually often in preferences check a box that says, "Go ahead and do minor level things in the background. Tell me about major, like whatever the dot release, the point release. I'm trying to think what usual terms they have for that." And I like having my things updated because most of the time it isn't as disconcerting to have something change. As it is reassuring to say, good, you got your latest antivirus stuff in there. You've got the latest level of encryption or whatever else it might be. And having said that, my Mac updater that does all different kinds of things automatically, it also will come up and say, okay, this one is non-standard. And so we're going to have to send you to their updater, their launcher for their updater. And then we kind of will just be aware that you've updated it. It's interesting to see how many different ways there still are to do that. That I thought that we were finally getting to the smart way in in the Windows world is to use this particular package that does not only applying the update but updates the data, does an auto conversion right. of data for it. And like that used to be a difficult problem, and then they solved it. And I guess maybe it's good that there are multiple ways to do that because that way you have competition always driving things forward. And so I, I it's interesting to see at least that there's still. My Mac updater is a variation on Mac update, which is really you're going to do that. But Mac update stopped being current. And that's another thing is if I had a subscription to this and then because I changed to my M1 Mac and it decided to not run on an M1, they didn't put the resources into making a new version run on that. I just paid you $35. Like, how can you leave me behind to them saying, hey, how about a refund and got no response. And so it's no wonder I changed the Mac updater because when you do that kind of bad business, I won't do business with you ever again. You know what yeah. I mean? You rook me. And they're still out there. They're still out there. But they, as you might pay, hey, updates all your Mac software. And then down here in the little click on the about box type stuff, as it'll say, we have limitations. And some of them are we don't <laughs> fully support. And after the M1, M2 have been out for a couple of years, then it's your excuse about not being current with the M1. That's now bullshit because you had two, three years to fix it. Yeah. And you're just not going to. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. well, you mentioned about the auto updates and all that, and then Steam and GOG. The, the, I've got obviously both. Steam will keep everything updated. You can tell it not to, and it'll alert you when updates come, but it pretty much will update stuff all the time when right. there is one. GOG has the best of both worlds. They have now, I don't know if you use it, but GOG Galaxy that yes. you, can tie, that. Yeah, you can tie it's, that it's in. own app on your desktop, and then it. Just and like Steam. In. Yes. Yeah. It's cool that they do the integration where you can say, I also play games on Steam and Epics and whatever other, and yes. they'll all be through the GOG interface, which is very handy. It, it, all, it is, but then you look at it and go, how many games do I own? How, what, how many of there are there? Wow. <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> I need to filter this some. But Yeah, uh, I remember it, buying that intending to play it. Oh, man. <laughs> that was a great $1.50 there. <laughs> but, the, but GOG also, they got the Galaxy, which is kind of like Steam, and it'll update things automatically. It'll ask you, and it does it in the background and installs your games. And Cloud, that's the, oh, my God, playing the old stuff from the 90s. 
with cloud saves. That's amazing. Yeah. I have taken out some of the pain of, wow, I just put an hour and a half into this and then something crapped out and I have to go back to square one? Oh, right. no. Or, so. or better yet, I can play Warcraft Orcs and Humans here and then go down on my laptop and pick up where I left off. Exactly. That's right. amazing. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. GOG also, if you go to the website, you can literally download the executable or zip files and save them locally. It won't get updated. It won't get touched. You can install it and it's yours. That's, and it's not just all the old games. They have some new stuff on there too it, with the mm -hmm. DRM free and all that. So all this stuff where they're controlling it, which I understand I'm not belittling that, but GOG is showing that you don't have to do that, especially with the old stuff. Seriously, exactly. this game's 30 years old. You, you got to have that tight of control on it. <laughs> That's right. In fact, until I switched to like the civilization version of Steam, uh, 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 on Steam, I still had to have my civilization CD disc yeah. in the drive because it checks <laughs> that damaged sector or whatever special magic hidden thing it did to let you go in. And wow, of all the things I'm going to keep in a CD drive, it's not music, it's not investing data, it's my Civilization 3 disc, so I can play this game that I'm an addict to? That was a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, the, that's a great thing about GOG, too, all those old games, where you had to go to page 74, paragraph 6, and look up the word to put in there. They have that's the right. manuals, and they have usually like just a, a page list. Here's all the ones you might be asked. <laughs> Some of these stories, when you try to explain it to the next generations, they're like, really? You put up with that? We it didn't was have a different choice. time, and people really were pirating much more. There were whole markets in, what's the area in Japan called? The Gisu, where they like had just CDs and DVDs loaded with software that had copy protection stripped off of it. And we were finding out that sales were a tenth of what they could be. So there was a certain amount of for music, for games, etc., a need to fight back against that. But then the world shifted to which it, it got better and in all the right ways. So we don't have to worry about that. But there was a time when you really had to worry about what region your disc was because oh, yeah. things that wouldn't run in your VCR. You had to worry about the chip that had specific copy protection in them. As I, as we mentioned, probably I don't know ten episodes ago, when I had an HDCP error thrown up by my Roku box for either Hulu or Netflix. It was multiple, Amazon, et cetera, where it said, hey, you're, there's copy protection on this, and we don't think that you're a legitimate connection because there were enough devices in between them talking directly to the internet. And wow, I haven't, I'm glad I haven't seen evidence of this for a long time. I'm not doing anything illegitimate. I'm not, I didn't <laughs> buy this from a crap vendor. I'm doing it like in the cloud where there's no way I should be able to even get to it to see it, so to watch it. And yet, when I'm trying to go into the episode, after you've shown me the ads, for sure you'll show me the ad because that's important. <laughs> and then I try to start watching Castle, and it's, what do you mean? I? It was really jarring the first time I yeah. got it. And I think I mentioned the way I overcame that was by getting an Ethernet splitter, it, though the problem seemed to be that there was one too many hops in between it being able to check by putting Ethernet splitter in that it doesn't even yet, it doesn't even think that there's anything to check for. And so I haven't, we haven't had problems. Uh, see, you know I, I, mean? so. I went and I got like a $25 cable instead of a $6 cable and it never happened again. Okay. Yeah. And, but the cable was on sale. So I actually got two of them for 25 bucks. So that's good. 
I think for me, I would have been willing to do it, but I didn't know which what cable was the problem. And I'm like, really, I'm going to change six cables out just to right. make sure I, I get the get, kill the ant. Oh well, right. I just had it hooked directly Roku yeah. to TV, so I, that was it. That's what we're trying to do, and that wasn't working. It's kind. Of, I hate talking about troubleshooting where you and I can't say, "Oh, this is why it happened, and this is how I fixed right. it." Like, funny, my setup sounds just like yours, and yet I was having the problem, and you weren't. So what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> you know different I mean? TVs, different whatever. Yeah, yep. who knows? Well, I, a quick segue. Just we're only in like season five of Castle. I think there's eight seasons total, yeah. and sometimes after they get into the number of seasons, they're a little bit formulaic. They're a little bit not as crisp as they were when they were trying to find their audience. I'll tell you what, we just watched an episode of Castle that was as good as any that we've ever seen. And when they're like still great in, in season five, that the writing teams are good and the stars are still invested in their characters and that kind of stuff, it's really heartening to be like, am I watching this just to say I watched all of them or am I still getting a lot out of it? And this last episode of Castle, where they have the arch nemesis that's a really cunning serial killer, it's really good. Oh. Sometimes the get good heroes is because they have good villains. You know like what I mean? They X have or whatever. Really yeah. It was uh, XKE or something. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Exactly. Uh, Jason Tyson, James Tyson, doesn't matter, but he's really chilling. And the fact that he was so good at it was a big frame of castle and it was very well manipulated. And the crime was especially gruesome. So yeah. then to have him accused of this, it's like everybody said, well, that's not castle, but. What were his fingerprints doing there? Why is he all this email? You know what I mean? They really, yeah. it was very well done. And so I'm like, good. I'm not just watching this to say I watched all the Doctor Who's. And <laughs> I'm not trying to. So I just watched the last of the Doctor Who's. I'm now totally current, up to date, complete with Doctor Who. And I got to tell you, the last season, a bit of a disappointment. Oh, really? Oh, boy. There was, there's so much. I think I've mentioned, I really liked good retro comics where they find a way to move things into the future and explain past things, but add new things in a way that it all integrates. And instead, they're now making it that Doctor Who might not be full Gallifreyan, that actually she was an orphan adopted by, but, and then, like, a, a huge change to the background and history, and especially all the stuff they've done with Gallifrey and the, the rivalry with the Master, and that Gallifrey ceased to be in the universe to, in order to take out the Daleks, and I hope I'm I, it's been through so many iterations that I hope I'm right. not one iteration behind, but it really was, I hope that matters because to make that big of a difference to no effect, except I had to screw things up. I had to flip the table and see what would happen. It's a little disconcerting. And from what I understand, Chibnall, Chris Chibnall, I think was the main showrunner for these last couple seasons. And I think that He's no longer there, and I'm such an ignorant. Is it is Chris a guy or a gal? I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I haven't been keeping so, up with. I think I read kind of in Doctor Who scuttlebutt that maybe somebody's coming back to replace oh. and repair. Oh wow, <laughs> you know that's mean? probably so maybe it'll be Russell Davies. Maybe it'll be. There's a couple great showrunners that have really built the Doctor yeah. Who mythology, and I got a feeling that they took it in the wrong enough direction that they. Or the BBC said, "Oh boy, let me let's bring in damage control." I don't know that for sure. I'll wait to see what happens. There's a transition coming from female Doctor Jody Whitaker. Thank you very much, and we'll see what happens after the the Christmas the holiday special that they had. There's hey, it was the Cybermen and the Daleks, and now the Sea Devils, and so we'll see what's going to happen next. But there's a big transition coming. We'll see. Ah, I know. I saw a 
infographic that had a timeline with all sorts of Doctor Who things listed. So I'm like, wow, I guess I better go back and catch some Doctor Who. I'm way behind. I've only seen a few episodes with Whitaker. And honestly, I never watched Capaldi at all. Uh, so I need to, okay. but on the flip side, my OCD kicked in long ago and I found and have been watching all the old, I started black and white and I, and re, the recreated ones that the fans did that are like slideshows yeah. and stuff. I've watched, I've been watching through those because yeah, 900 some episodes. Yeah. I've seen all of them. Yes. I've seen all of them. I've watched them all, you know, <laughs> be sure that from Pertwee on, I really have seen all of them. I don't think that I've seen the early Hartnells and the early, again, why am I blanking? Patrick? Houghton. Oh, Troughton, exactly Troughton, that. Yeah. Because those are the ones that they were taped over because the BBC didn't know what a gem they had. Yeah. And so through the fan recreations and some of the imitation of voices and stuff. And I, there was a time when I was actively watching for those and watching them as they came up. But now what I want to do is if they really do have from episode one on, I would try to go catch those first two and like revel in the fact that they had terrible special effects. They had no budget, that they were a little corny, kind of a yeah. show, more than an adult show. But that's real history. That's the first appearance of all of these various different right. planets and villains and whoever else it might and, be. And I like uh, Hartnell, the first doctor, better than I like the second doctor. He's never really warmed to me, but I'll move on to the third soon. And I think I'm going to be hitting color soon. That was a big change. It really yeah. was. <laughs> but I've watched most of the modern era stuff. Okay. The first three I watched, didn't watch Capaldi, and I've only seen a few Whitakers. So Matt Smith, uh, out of everybody, he's been my doctor. The, he's the one the kids always reference when they're like telling their friends about me. So he just Castle, Matt okay. Smith and Castle, the, you put them together, you get a good amalgamation of me in daily life. <laughs> That's interesting. That's cool. Everybody seems to have their favorite. I grew up with Tom Baker. I was oh, yeah. In like the mid-70s in Chicago when it was on it. Sunday night, after I was done with my homework, my reward was Monty Python plus like either David Allen or the two Ronnies and then Doctor Who. That was just a great way to end your week and go to bed with, wow, that, there's nothing else like this on TV. Even Star Trek isn't as crazy creative as this. It doesn't have a great sense of humor and whimsy and stuff like that. So Yes. And... <laughs> The modern episodes, they're definitely different than the way American TV is. And we've talked about this a lot. Me and Reese talk a lot about it with horror movies, that a lot of the foreign horror movies and Doctor Who and shows and stuff, they don't treat you like you're an idiot and they have to spell things out to you because you're too stupid to think on your own. And I know that sounds very harsh. I'm trying to make a point with it. They, yeah, they will yeah. sometimes say things and go to a scene. And if you aren't paying attention, you're like, wait, what, what's going on? What happened? But it's all there. Whereas with the Americans, they have to kind of, now I will go down and I will do this. And then I will do this. And they right. have to explain the it all. Instead of, yeah, don't tell me, show me. I'll yeah. catch on if you let me. And Just go do right. it. That really might be a difference in style. Yeah. Oh. Major difference between the United States and other foreign Europe, et cetera. Okay. Very yeah. much so. We notice it a lot with horror movies. When okay. we watch horror movies from other countries, there's a whole different feel to the movie and how it's filmed and what they're saying and the scenes with castle anything especially like the cop shows you kind of know okay well, now they got to have the courtroom scene now they got to have the fight in the precinct scene you get the it has to be these we watched this one movie from ireland called grabbers and it was about aliens that 
came down and they were starting to take over the earth. They were like giant octopus. It's Irish. So how the heck do they defeat them? Well, those things can't take alcohol. Let's go to the pub and get drunk. And and then we were, it was so funny because it's so Irish. And I'm like, you'd never see that in an American movie. Stuff. And speaking of all of this, did you see that the Arrowverse seems to be coming to an end? They canceled Flash with a half season nine. I did not see that. And in, yeah. in fact, that that is just as you were saying that you haven't caught up on all the Doctor Who's. I guess you're watching all the Doctor Who's. That's what I was missing is I'm way behind on Green Arrow, on Flash, on Supergirl, on Legends of Tomorrow. You know what I mean? A whole bunch of DC things that really they're a good enough quality that I should be I'm behind on Gotham and like how can you be behind on watching like Batman? And yet I am. There's so many of them. And I, I, I am. I have, uh, hopefully they aren't going to be like, we canceled and then we took them away. You know what I mean? That they'll right. leave them out there because that's how a lot of things nowadays, they have a life forever in the digital world. They don't have to be only current on network. And so we'll see. Supergirl only lasted five or six seasons. Legends only lasted five. And I loved Legends. And Arrow's been seven years, but it's been the one that's been gone the longest because it started earlier. Flash was the last one, but nine seasons, eight and a half seasons. That's a respectable run for anybody. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see what they do because oftentimes they have the big retreat where they plan out the season and they have the story arcs and the various different beats that are going to happen. And then it gets cut in half and they're like, are we going to leave these plot lines dangling? Are we going to try to rush them and get them all? resolved so that the right people end up together or the right people end up dead or whatever right. else it might be. It'll be interesting to see how they consolidate that. But it I never got that sense with Supernatural, since we often talk about that, that they really seem to have an entire idea for this is the season with, let's see, going to hell. You know what I mean? This is the season. Where all <laughs> that was every other, season, yeah, yeah. every other season, but yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of like Leviathan or something like that. Right. You know what I mean? And that they really didn't, and they actually they didn't only harp on that. Sometimes there was a whole bunch of episodes in a row, but a lot of times it was X-Files-ish, where they'd have the interesting chupacabra of the month, a thing of the week. And they'd also have a return to the mythology of building just what's going on with Rebellion in Hell or what's going on. Like they right. pretty good with mixing up between those things. Okay. So, and like we say, too, the good, oh my. Okay. good thing is when, they, when we know these shows are ended, we have a finite number even being behind, you can say, okay, now I can go watch them and just go through them. Not exactly. necessarily binging. Oh it's but... only 900 hours instead of another yeah. thousand. No, that's got... oh, come on. <laughs> I just said I'm starting with number one of Doctor Who. So <laughs> I'm not worried about a couple of seasons of Flash. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, I think, talking about this, there's a psychology that comes like, I, I did watch all the Sopranos. I didn't watch it when it was going on. I watched them all recently. And again, it wasn't binge watching. It was like, watch one a night for a whole bunch of time. And so I finally got to the, the infamous last episode where it's kind of like just fade to black and leaving things dangling instead of everybody dies. Everybody goes to Costa Rica or whatever else it might be. <laughs> and because I had, wasn't as invested, I didn't have that big outrage over, what are you doing, David? You can't leave us. It just was, it, I don't know, I thought right in line with how many times things had been season cliffhangers or even episode to episode you don't know what's going to happen next because who's going to get out of prison next who's going to die not from getting shot but because they got in an auto accident or they overdosed or whatever else it might be so i really enjoyed that series and i think it's maybe not prime geekery in terms of the 
science fiction angle, the comic book angle. But if you're looking for what series really do have that same aspect of the continuity, the growth of characters through it, they just happen to not wear capes. They wear mafia right. gear, whatever else it might be. Breaking Bad was like that. You know what I mean? That that there's just such great acting and real changes in the characters, growth of the characters, death of the characters. It's riveting to watch it. And again, one thing I always say is, I just like things that surprise me. I love things where instead of being, oh boy, I know what's going to happen because I've seen this plot before. <laughs> and then I love when they not only pull the rug out from under you, but you could actually see the rug beforehand. And they were very fair in giving you little clues and stuff like that. And yet the craft with which they do that surprise, that left yeah. turn, it's really admirable. You know what I mean? This, or, or in some cases, it's the slow burn to, yep, this guy's got a problem. He's an addict. Addiction makes you do terrible things. And here's the final Shakespearean level comeuppance for where they're going to get it. They're going right. to get their just desserts. They're just reward. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the Even sh- if it's a terrible end. The so. show for me that <laughs> it was like that was Sons of Anarchy. A show I never intended to watch, but I had a friend kind of talk about it in such great love that I'm like, okay, I'll give it a chance because you liked it so much. And then it was like, okay, I got to call in sick to work and the dog doesn't need out right now because I really need one more episode. I really got hooked into it. And, And then recently somebody turned me on to Peaky Blinders, which I had heard a lot about and I'm watching it and I'm going, oh my God. This is Sons of Anarchy, but set in like early 1900s England, you know? Exactly. Maybe that's one of the things that people like is to see a series about a situation that they're not in. They're not white picket fence, 50s America. These guys, they live by their wits, they're criminals, they live by their brutality or whatever else it might be. And I think that's always America, especially has the love of the rascal, the rogue, the criminal. We, we have so... Bonnie and Clyde and Babyface Nelson, whoever else, they weren't just like bank robbers and killers. There's like a romantic sheen yes. to that in some ways. That's, they did kill a lot of people and indiscriminately. <laughs> it wasn't just other bad guys. It wasn't even just cops that were chasing them. They sprayed bullets and people died. And oh, maybe right. because it was, depending on the time it set in, it's like, hey, the banks are taking everything over. These guys are standing up to the banks. Yay, them. You know what I mean? It's amazing how we rationalize. I've I've talked to several people about this with Sons of Anarchy because it's all perspective. It's all how you look at the characters because those guys were outlaws. They killed people. They ran drugs. drugs. They they didn't do drugs so much, but they had prostitution and guns and stuff. But the way it came across portrayed in the show was they controlled their town they left the common people alone. They actually tried to protect them. Right, benevolent not, dictators instead of terrible despot. Yes. Okay, okay. We're not going to let the outside forces come in with guns and cause fights that are going to kill people. We're not going to let the drugs in that people are going to get addicted to and die. We're, and the prostitution <laughs> is low key. It's off center. It's not in everybody's face. It's not causing parts of the city to have a downfall and be the ghettos. So in in some ways, it, maybe it's a little warped from most people's perspective, but they really kept their town running and safe. And the people, it's that anti-hero really is what it came across as. I hear you. That, honestly, that's one of the, the allures that criminals have often presented is we're taking our cut of your business because we're offering you protection. And <laughs> while they really do, another gang tries to move in. And instead of getting guys taking money from you they'll remove the other gang from the equation because 
And how often do you hear it's not right or wrong? It's whether it's good or bad for business. So what they'll do is not get into various different things because the government is focusing on that. The penalties are higher. But a little bit of corruption, a little bit of gambling, a little bit of prostitution, that just seems to be like acceptable to Western culture. Yes. Instead of, oh, no, the Jamaican posses are moving in and they're bringing their harder drugs with them. One of the things that makes it interesting to Americans is the levels of morality and like, how would you go if you were in that situation? You know what I mean? Are you old school or new school? Are you brutal or are you... And, you know, like, let's have a sit down. Let's talk about this instead of only being bullets are the answer. And the Sons of Anarchy, they never like extorted the common people. They never pushed their weight around. They kept it away. They kept it separate. So there's is some admirable qualities about it. Maybe the way they went about it, you don't always agree with. But on the flip side, if you go look at a city that's overrun with various gangs and people dying and killing is that really better to keep that that one motorcycle game from controlling things? No, not necessarily. That's why that series is out there because they're putting forward that maybe. But you know, none of those things really withstand deep analysis. Hey, well, yeah. you're trying to make sure that only good drugs get in. Well, if you have any <laughs> drugs coming in and you don't really control after the first sale where they go to that they're going to people that shouldn't be taking drugs. Right. School kids, they're going to, and I embrace the opposite bad stereotype, but just that there's willing blindness to all the blight that they bring into the community. By it's funny, Aline and I talk about the corruption premium that what's making, if you will, government so expensive, business so expensive is not a fair price for a decent good, it's all the other middlemen and handouts and corruption that has to be honored. So I had a taste of that. When I was working on stuff for the when Russia was Russia, right after the fall of the Soviet Union, we worked on the Moscow Commodities Exchange. And you found out that it isn't just a matter of you're going to build your software and then back up a truck with a bunch of PCs and put it in place. What's all the blot you have to pay? What's all the small bribes you have to give to every gatekeeper of the electric grid, of the open the door to the convention center, that everybody has their level at which they're allowed to be a little bit corrupt and you just have to know who to who you're going to get charged by so that they don't do things to screw you up more than they have to and that is endemic in the united states now in a way that it never was before (laughs) it sure seems that there's rent takers and middlemen and people that are in the way and to go back very much to what you're talking about how do you have we embrace capitalism and I say this all the time, and then you see how everybody that talks up capitalism is in the background doing everything they can to thwart it. Really, HP, you think that the way to do capitalism is not your competition, make a better product, get word out about it, show in, in side to side that yours is a better product and let people choose? No, yours is a way of creating a tying agreement, a an addiction to a certain thing, and you won't let anybody else use it once they're in. Do they know going in that you're going to do all that crap to them? Right. No, it's corrupt it's you know what i mean there's really that level of and we can start naming a hundred examples that's what people are shooting for now so So things are a nice way of saying we're trying to get you addicted so (laughs) hacker groups like anonymous need to be the sons of anarchy of the digital world and control (laughs) you know there's just different realms in which people are you know what i mean wow i it's hard to say when they're working on a nationalist basis that whatever Russia has going on with their little East European skunk farms of all the 13-year-olds that are really good hackers, but then they're attacking our infrastructure and stuff like that. 
that that can get weaponized into something that really is at a national level instead of an individual what like self capitalism is supposed to be about like improving the self and letting the invisible hand the entire market figure out what's the best product but then when you have you throw a government behind it like the japanese did in the 80s with you're not really competing with individual automakers you're competing with a deeply subsidized <laughs> combine of all but what it there's ways that, that gets perturbed all the time right and we keep stepping up and saying capitalism is why you want to have the market is efficient it sets prices based on information perfect knowledge and per- everybody anticipates the future in different ways and that's why stock prices go as they do and then if you're at all an investor you quickly find out about how much information is withheld or how it leaks out in various different ways over the course of time so that there's always insiders that get the inside track and can get in and out of various different good or bad investments and that it's a rigged game and all you can do is take the riggedness of the game into account when you're doing your individual investing so i <laughs> i have an unreasonable faith that gap generally accepted accounting principles still exist in the united states and i would rather invest in the united states compared to china or india or and maybe like australia and in europe and israel are places that simulate western standards if you will but then there's a scandal every week about which is the latest insider trading thing what's the latest that they withheld information from the government it's terrifying how much of a house of cards <laughs> this is all built on and every time that there's a scandal it's that's just the tip of the iceberg. Everything you hear about Wells Fargo manipulating housing markets and something as supposedly stable as the real estate market, but that was the way that they talk about blue chip investing, that it's, oh, it's utilities, it's things that your granny owned. And then you find out how much utilities are being manipulated and how much the real estate is building and the LIBOR rate. Bear with me. I should remember this evil guy's name in brief. LIBOR is the interest rate that's set that all the world uses to say, what's the real interest rate for money? What do we think the time value of money is? And people, and it's like the London Exchange is where it's set and then radiates outwards from there. And two guys, three guys, found a way to manipulate the timing of various different trades so that they were able to do what they wanted with the LIBOR rate instead of it really being, let's talk to the 100 other exchanges and get the weighted average of all that and that's what's a realistic rate and they were making money of course over we are going to say here's the what it should be if you did the math and we're going to manipulate it slightly so just 0.045 off but hey if you throw 100 million dollars at that in the amount of time between it getting announced and it being found out to be that's what the calculation says they were making money hand over fit and the reason that's so especially especially evil and weird and important is that think of the ripple effect of that. You find right. out that this rate that everyone uses as like, it's gravity. It's the rule of how the world works. Nope. These guys found a way to be little dis- rats gnawing at the foundations of civilization so they can make a little money and have a yacht. And that's the smallest. That's a big <laughs> example of a multitude of terrible examples about how that manipulation is happening all the freaking time. Absolutely agree. Yeah, I know I didn't get mean to go into lecture mode. Sorry. No, you know, well, the reason that's geeky, because we always try to say that, is like, you really have to get, did you know that there's a LIBOR rate and this is how it gets determined? And that once they find out how to determine, someone's going to say, 
I could get on the inside of that and change it just a little for my own purposes. But the act of doing that just it makes an incredible that little bit of corruption has huge ripple effect. When you find out you can't trust, hey, aspirin takes care of headaches. And then you find out that someone's been doping the aspirin so that it doesn't just make, take care of headaches, it addicts you. And of course, pay everybody, it's not true. It's an example. Don't let that start here and then it goes out <laughs> to the world. But that example is not entirely untrue. Right. Of all the well, things we talked about. HP can turn your printer off because they don't like the cartridge you just put. That, we saw <laughs> that clear back in Superman 3. With what's his face taking the half cents off of everybody's investments? The sausage slice method, exactly. Yeah. That went all the way back to Superman three. That's right. Okay, before th- this was like a big topic, but before we disappear, tell me about your watch. Because what we talked about this, what interests me is I'm waiting for them to do the glucose monitoring because I think that's great rather than pin sticks and all that jazz. And you said that those sensors might be in there and might be there, but turned off at the moment because they haven't gotten approval to say it does that yet. So that's my understanding of it. And hey, everybody who's following this closely, I'm sorry if I butcher all of what's going on. There, Apple is putting a whole bunch of different health monitoring stuff in there. So they really can detect atrial fibrillation within high enough standards that the government has said that really can be labeled as a medical device in terms of it will alert you early if you're getting the erratic heartbeat that is a sign of atrial fibrillation. And they're checking for your blood pulse, your regular pulse rate, not quite blood pressure yet, but they're working on that. How much by looking into the skin of your wrist, right on the ulna, can they have a look into you that says, what is your blood glucose level? And And my first post was like, it does everything. It even makes Julian fries. From what I understand, it still isn't there yet because the ability to get accuracy to whatever the two standard deviation levels is not there, but there's various different levels of what you can say. Looking into your bloodstream and seeing what they can judge about it and the fineness of the sensors, from what I understand, they might actually have the sensors in the watch that are able to do that, but they're still doing all the testing and all the software that goes with that hardware. It's like BMW. They're going to start charging for it. It's kind of funny. I love how sometimes we have to turn on ourselves because we were saying, what an injustice. And yet it's, I'm hoping that one day with a software update or a, an even better version of the Apple Watch 8 or 9, because they have even better sensors, that they'll be able to do active blood glucose monitoring. Right now, as you were saying, instead of finger sticks, I have been occasionally wearing the Dexcom, no, not the Dexcom, the Freestyle Libra 2. I don't have it on now. I'm, I'm, I take weeks off in between because it. I'm trying to learn from it instead of being only addicted to it. I'm, I haven't seen really bad results from having spikes or troughs so that I'm not worried about going into a coma and I'm not worried. About, so far, I'm not. Having said that, that's what it integrates with is a whole range of devices that now instead of it only being to your phone or your computer, it'll actually tell your talk to your watch, and your watch will say, "Hey, you are having a dip in your blood glucose. You might want to pop a sugar pill, or you just spiked because you ate too much sushi." And hey, that's all rice. That's a simple carbohydrate, you fool. <laughs> that's the level that it's at. But for the other things that it does, it's always had. It's aware of the position of the watch. It size, not size the graph. What? Sorry, whatever the monitor is that judges and balance and stuff like that like the gy- gyrometer there you go thank you a gyrometer um it 
can tell if you might have had a fall. If you have an abrupt shift of position and you're at a wrong angle compared to how you usually are, you track state enough over a course of time to see what's the anomaly, and it will actually send out an emergency health signal that says, hey, we think he's fallen and he can't get up. And it doesn't do that automatically. You can turn that on, but I'm okay for that. You know what I mean? Is If I ever get unsteady, I'd love to have a guy that's continually watching for that. And another one that it listens so that it can actually keep track of the decibel level. And if you're like too close to an airplane, too much at a rock concert where you're right in front of the speakers. And when I had hair, they used to move my hair back. You know what I mean? It's It'll tell you, it gives you little warnings about, hey, this might not happen that often. But when it does, it's pretty freaking important. You might want to get away from this noise source because you're going to get tinnitus or whatever. You're going right. you know, to do your little nice. ear, ear damage. So the combination of features, finally, with all the med tech that they've added, was enough to finally get, because we've laughed about it, I had an Apple Watch 2. I didn't get the very original one, but I had a 2, and this is now a 7. So five generations, I've been able to say, not enough, not quite. Yeah, yeah. But finally, it really seemed to be time to have a wearable computer for that amount of money that does all those health features, as well as all the little improvements. An odd thing about the Apple Watch used to be that by changing the orientation is when it would go from black to showing you the screen. Now, because battery tech continues to get better and better, it has enough charge for the entire day that all I have to do is look at my watch. It's always on, and it just changes the brightness of it so that it's saving battery when it doesn't think you're looking at it. But when you do, it brightens it up. So there it is. You know what I mean? It, it's it got a better screen, higher resolution, better lumens, all that more memory, more battery life. So in all the ways that computers do, it's improved all that, as well as these new capabilities. And so. I've got I've got the Fitbit and I like my Fitbit. But some of the what you're telling me as a difference is the Fitbit's very passive collective in that I look at the app and I can see all the numbers, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't do a lot of, hey, your heart beats up, or you can see it. Oh, why didn't you tell me my heartbeat was 157? Uh, it doesn't give you the feedback. It does have Google Assistant, uh, but that so I like all the stuff where it's tying into that. Now most of it ties into phones. So I wonder what the Apple app that ties into the phone is on Android compared to the Apple phone. Yeah. Do they keep it as robust or is it like that's the, it's a couple generations behind because we want you to buy Apple phone instead of the Android phone. I hear you. The Apple Health app, it, it really, it integrates all of that. Those, those, all those things that you want to be able to tell your doctor, hey, this is what we know about my regular heartbeat and stuff like that. And by because it is competing directly with Fitbit and other wearables like that, it really does have all the various different sensors for, uh, I think you're going for an outdoor walk. Would you like to record it? And it keeps track of how many steps and how many calories burnt. And if your extra heart weight went up enough, then it considers it exercise. So it's got three little rings, I think I mentioned before, that like it, it tells you, hey, you should get up. Being sedentary is a bad thing. Hey, you should, you should exercise at least this much. It keeps track with three main rings. And every time that I close my three rings, it's, at least I wasn't a terrible potato. I did indeed walk this much, get my heart rate up this much, et cetera, et cetera. It integrates with all different kinds of exercise equipment. So when you go to the various different oh, gyms, nice. I think that might be, uh-oh, <laughs> a subscription uh, or something like that. It means that you can just hop on anything that it talks to via Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, et cetera, and it will record your session on the the treadmill that you're using or anything that does. And a lot of them are doing that nowadays. I think for sure Peloton, for instance, does yeah. everything at the gym, workout 
synergistics computers or whatever else somebody that does all those workout machines. So if you're going to do your Arctic, your stair stepper and all that kind of stuff, it gives you all those stats. And that's handy to not have a clipboard and a piece of paper and be jotting down. I don't think it does like, how much did you lift? But I'm pretty sure that it has, if you just talk to me, you can say, okay, I just did 10 reps at 150 pounds. And you can make it so that it's keeping track of all different kinds of stuff to be able to show your current state and be right. able to show what you're working for is a challenge. And that's very handy. So, I, I do. All the health items are adding stuff. I still am waiting a little bit more for the, who was the detective? Dick Tracy stuff. Oh, what you were talking about. Radio. Yeah, the integration. I've got Google Assistant and that ties into my phone and you can get Google Assistant to tie into apps and I can say, hey, Google, add this to my to-do list or stuff like that. But it's not 100%. That's 20% I can integrate and get it to work with. I can send text messages, but not Facebook Messenger messages. I can ask it to read my calendar. I can even add things, but it's cumbersome, tricky. So from a business standpoint, there's probably 30% of the things I can do between my watch and phone helping keep things running. I want that little bit more along with the great sensors and health stuff. But I like what you were saying about the alerts that are more active. That That's the type of thing I think is pretty It's very cool. helpful. Exactly. I'll tell you, it, I'm still, much like you, more amused that it helps me out as opposed to expecting it. But there's been a number of times that I've taken a phone call on my watch. If it's within, it's not a full Wi-Fi client. So and cellular client, it is a Wi-Fi client. So when my phone is near enough that it can talk back and forth, if a phone call comes in, it rings on my phone and I can say, hey, Colleen, I'm in the bathroom or I don't have my phone in here, but I have my watch. Listen, you know, that can, so it's, and, and it, you can actually play little videos with good resolution. Nice. And wow. I like, it's funny. It's nice to be able to see that even if I'm not going to watch a movie on my watch. I want the bigger picture on my big old TV, but a quick thing of, for instance, it integrates all with mapping so that while you're driving, it doesn't distract you by saying, look at the map, but it has like for a left turn, it goes beep, boop, for a right turn, it goes boop, beep, boop, beep, and a little wow. haptic buzz on you to alert you so that it's integrating with your CarPlay and your phone and everything else so that it will show you if you're walking, it will show you a little map so that when we were in downtown Toronto, it's walk to this thing and then turn left on Queen's. It was very like, this really is the future. This is Dick Tracy kind of a thing. I yeah. can talk into it. It has, hey, it's talking to the satellites. And no see, all the time, you know. I got the Fitbit <laughs> because at the time I got a good deal on it. And I was like, okay, great. But now all the stuff you're telling me, I'm like, man, sounds like I really would like an Apple Watch. And again, we're not uh, an Apple guy, a PC guy. That's I only want PC. I only want Android. I get That's what right. works best for me in that situation. And, yeah. and I always joke about this, the Xbox PlayStation Wars. I'd always listen to people and I'm like, yeah, but here's the thing. I'm an adult with a job. I'll go buy both. I'll yeah. go buy both. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I want to wear two watches. Whatever works with everything, that kind of thing. And maybe I will. Maybe. And I, as, I'm still waiting for, no lie, Apple glasses, Google glasses, because I really think it's going to be cool to have augmented reality and be able to have on my glasses a little thing that hangs down and says, Oh, this is whatever problem I have with remembering friends' names. Not anymore. That's Barry and his wife, Margaret. And you know what I mean? It just. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, those have been dragging. I don't know how 
the, I think a lot of people are hesitant with it and people have gotten in trouble with them and all sorts right. of stuff. So it's not only a non-trivial technical problem, it's a non-trivial societal problem. Yeah. Feeling like, I don't know, there's all kinds of laughter nowadays about people writing on their cell phone. I'm not going to let the government monitor me constantly. It's like, you, you're holding the device right now that is your leash. What do you think is going on? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm way secure. Here, I just answered these five memes with these trivia questions. Now you need exactly. to do it. And now they know my birthplace and my mother's yes. my favorite candy bar. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. People don't know what they don't know. Yeah. So now I'm going to have to go look up Apple Watch. This Fitbit's only a year old, so I doubt if I'm going to replace it yet. But at least maybe I'll start keeping up with Apple Watch and get it next generation. Or I'm sure the price on these will drop six months, eight months from now, or a year yeah. and stuff as they get ready for the next one. I always have a, that theory of oh, if I had to tell somebody how much something costs and I was embarrassed, I shouldn't be buying that. That's a good They're point. Cool. You know what I mean? So this they, nowadays, and also I think there's some big study that says, what the price is for all of America as to when something become popular instead of niche, 300 bucks. That's when VCRs took off. That's when DVD players took off. That's when all kinds of things. And indeed, this latest guy, and it not only was 300 bucks, I got him like $50 off because I bought him during Amazon Prime days. Oh, that's yeah. what inspired me to uh, go to Colleen and say, hey, we were talking about getting this for my birthday. I might have to get a little bit early, but 50 bucks off. That's a sixth of the price. So I got this beautiful guy with, and I'm like, I don't know, am I going to get a fancier wristband? You can trade it up to get like something that's more leather or metal or something like that. But right now, what do I care about is the wearable <laughs> geekiness of it. And, but, and uh, the wristband holds on. You know people that will spend a thousand, twelve hundred bucks every year for a new phone. Now, yes, our phones can do a lot, but some of these people, all they're doing on it is texting, making phone calls and surfing Facebook. So right. you can't tell me it's worth a thousand dollars. Hasn't changed. That's right. Yeah. So a, a watch that will monitor my sleep and that will tell me my steps and warn me when things are loud and check my atrial fib. That's worth three hundred dollars. Really? I'll tell you what. Thank you for mentioning that. One of the things it does. I used to take my watch off and have it charged while I was sleeping because it needed a certain amount of time. This guy charges so quickly that I wear him overnight. He monitors my sleep habits. He knows again from like positioning and restlessness and stuff like that that i did sleep my required six hours of sleep and that it wasn't restless sleep i had to get up to pee once i don't think it really doesn't label it that but it knows you got up at some point so the fact that sleep becomes a more and more important thing as you get older and it might be different than how you've always had it it's nice to know that it's keeping track of data and i know I, it'll tell me if hey you're really not getting restful sleep. You're not getting the REM sleep that's going to let your memory, it does the wash of all the garbage out. It, it makes, solidifies your existing memories. You really need to do more sleep hygiene type stuff to go to bed, get real rest instead of kind of like fake sleep, junk right. sleep, to, to, since I'm a victim of advertising, slunky. So, <laughs> right. Okay. So, all right. So, I'll have to look that up then. And you know, speaking of sleep, I told you I got that new bed. And it yeah. elevates and you can adjust it and all sorts of yep. things. My snoring has cut down on being elevated on the bed. Good for you. Anything like that, any snoring or like any word moving towards sleep apnea, man, don't. From what I understand, that really does kind of like wear on you. If natural autonomic systems like heartbeat and breathing aren't working as they should, whatever you can do to get back to nominal, you're doing a good thing. Right. 
Yeah, so yeah. The bed thing. All right. there, there's our recommendations. <laughs> Apple Watch and a nice sleep out. Adjustable bed. bed. Exactly. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, man. Talk Take to you care, later. Steven. Have a great week. All right. You bye-bye. too. This has been the Relentless Geekery Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, RelentlessGeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and go check out our YouTube page, where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.